Welcome to the Misfit Stars Podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Spooky Jamie Hill. <laughs> wow. What a good production value on this introduction. So good. Hey, uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hi, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Great to have everybody here on this week's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about sobriety and recovery. We're just keeping that train moving. It's great. We love it. This week, we're going to do the second part of the middle part of Shannon's story. <laughs> yeah, this is what I call the good stuff. Yeah. The good, like all the good things that I like learned early on in recovery and and continue to learn as I stay in recovery. Oh my gosh, so much. Like, I, we, I had so many notes on this. We had to break this into two episodes. Mm-hmm. So like the first part of this happened last week and there was just so much more that we had to like come back again for more. So, so it's the fruits of recovery oh, part two. That's right. So good. For Shannon's yeah. side. And then we'll do all my stuff coming up too. There's there's so much more good sobriety stuff coming at you. Yeah. So for people who are into sobriety and recovery and just like general, you know, self-improvement and being a better person, you're going to love this. You're probably so stoked and have been. For people who don't like that stuff, we'll prepare for it to be a snooze fest for weeks <laughs> yet to come. Weeks. It's going to be terrible for you. And we're sorry. Also not sorry. So uh, quickly, Misfit Stars is how our people support the work that we do. If you would like to support our work, please go to MisfitStars.com slash support and just do that. MisfitStars.com slash support. It's a recurring monthly kind of thing. You basically have like a little Shannon and Jamie bill, but it's really small. It's not like some weird like $80 AT&T bill. It's like a $5 Shannon and Jamie bill. And we add them all together. Is there a different word besides bill? Bill sounds so like, I don't know. Yeah, it's sort like a bill. Sad. Huh. It's like a, it's terrible it's a monthly opportunity to support a couple of artists that you value and believe in and you want to see them keep doing what they do. Much in the way that Credo gives us a monthly opportunity to continue to have cell phone service. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's an opportunity. How good. Our mortgage is really just an opportunity to live indoors. Well, it really is, actually. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on board with those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want that opportunity in your life, people, misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. Do you have any announcements? Sweetheart. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Uh, uh, uh. Mm. Very good. Uh, you're really on top of the sound effects this week. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I took 15 seconds before we started recording and just located a few, I, so I'm so not good. randomly mashing buttons. I love it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, okay, my first announcement. So exciting, guys. This week, this Friday is release day. Like two days from now. Oh my gosh. October 22nd is release day for 2020-101, the CD and streaming album release. I'm so excited. You all, I... We've been preparing for this release and I've been like in the in preparation for that, kind of doing like little, you know, social media posts with about each of the songs and, you know, just putting the other stuff. And I and I'm getting to revisit the songs. Also we're preparing for the show that we're doing Saturday, which is the second announcement. So much work. That's foreshadowing. Yes. Good. But you know, spending time with these songs, like I'm realizing again, like what a meaningful project this was for me. Like yeah. I really loved doing this project. It was a community effort in collecting the stories for this, all the, the song themes for mm-hmm. 2020 mm-hmm. And I just, I love this album. I really love it. Like, That's good. And, and so I'm so excited to, to be launching it in album form this Friday. Um, we have a very limited run of CDs that we're making. Uh, if you would like, if you are a Misfit Stars member, you get one for free. We'll just if send you, you just one. just need to send us your 
address, your updated address, and let us know you want one. We'll cover postage and everything. We yeah. love you. It's all good. If you are not a Misfit Stars member, first of all, if you become a member, you can get a CD for free. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not a Misfit Stars member and you just can't become a member or don't want to at this point, but you want a CD, you can buy one. And you can go to shannoncurtis.net slash store mm-hmm. and you can just order yourself a CD. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the second announcement is that uh, we are doing an online uh, streaming concert in celebration of the release of 2020-101 on the evening of this Saturday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 10 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. And if you live in a different time zone, you're going to have to do the math on your own. Yep. But <laughs> the, the concert's is Saturday. If you live in Australia, it'll be in like November sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> Jamie's going to put a link uh, for the concert in the show notes. It's going to be on YouTube Mm -hmm. um, on Saturday night. I am genuinely excited about this. It's going to be cool. Excited slash a little freaked out because this performance is different than anything I've ever done in my entire life as an artist. Like it's really different. Yeah. And it's pushing me in all kinds of interesting emotional directions. I, a couple nights ago was feeling super vulnerable about the whole thing. A little nervous. Yeah, totally. But last night I think really turned that around to some large degree, huh? Yes. Yes. We had a great rehearsal yesterday and mm -hmm. it's not even just like rehearsals part of it, but also we're just still figuring out how the thing goes and doing set design and lighting and camera angles. And there's like, there's multiple scenes. The thing we're going to give it away. Don't give it away. Okay. Okay. I won't, but it's like very involved. Yes. Yeah. It's very involved. Really just pulling at every possible, uh, like creative string. Like it's just like pushing us in new directions, stretching us. Yeah. It's, and that is scary. That is a scary thing. And I've been experiencing all the feelings that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, are you going to give me a scary sound? Oh, yeah. This is how Shannon feels. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Is the show going to work out? Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. But also, I'm really excited, too. Like, genuinely excited. So, uh, find the link in the notes. We hope you can join us on Saturday. And, and oh, and if you're a Misfit Stars member, we're having an after party. It's exclusive uh, to members of Misfit Stars. If you are already a member, you have been given the invitation to join us on Zoom for the after party. We're just going to hang out. We're just going to hang out. No big. Online, like yeah. we do now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What's the last announcement, Jamie? Uh, personal songs. Yes. So we are doing a brisk business this autumn in personal songs, as it turns out. Like this plan that we had to like open them up for people for the holiday season way in advance of the holidays, it, it has, it's working out great. It's opened up the opportunity, I think, to so many more people than would have had yeah. time to take advantage of yeah. it usually because we were always late with it. Yeah. Uh, and we're not late this year. And so at this point, we are doing, uh, so we have set aside space this autumn into the holidays for Shannon to write and record 10 personal songs. We at this point have booked four of them. It is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that we still have space for six and that's really good. But also like it's only the middle of October and we're already nearly 50% booked. So <gasps> if you're thinking about having Shannon write a song for you to give to a loved one, uh, you know, you still have some time to dilly dally, but your time is shrinking. I'll be frank about that. Mm-hmm. We're booking like one to one and a half a week on average. You have time to dilly. You don't have time to dilly and dally. Dang. Wow. 
What do you think about that? That was very thank you something. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I love how you heard the adverb and you're like, thanks. And then the adjective wasn't that good, but you're like, you've already moved on. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like it was very thanks bad. Okay, whatever. Because <laughs> honestly, I, I thought it was great, so it didn't matter what you thought. Yeah, lots of giggling happening over on the couch right now. It's good. People, this is an incredible thing that you can do for a loved one for the holidays. It's maybe the best gift you will ever give. The downside is that the, you will then have given the best gift ever and every gift afterward will be something of a letdown. Or you, know? or you just keep doing more songs every year. We have people who have done that. <laughs> the personal song that we're spotlighting today is... Uh, at least the second personal song for the woman who had Shannon write this Yeah, song. a different scenario for yeah. each, each of the songs I've done for her, but yeah. But she knows the value of a personal song. Yeah. It's like when you got to say the thing in the ultimately awesome way, you hire Shannon to write it and put it in a song because there's literally no better way to co communicate an emotion to somebody. Yeah. Shannon's amazing at it. This is why I do the personal song announcement because Shannon can't brag about herself like this, <laughs> but I can. And people, she is just unbelievably good. You know this, you've heard her music at connecting to the truth at the core of an emotion, right? Mm -hmm. And when she applies that laser-like focus to your life and your situation, it's astonishing. It's really emotional, it's really special, it's mm -hmm. really great. Uh, if you have something you want to express to a loved one, maybe it's your partner, maybe it is an anniversary gift, maybe it is for a young person, we are going to be writing a song for a seven-year-old. We just learned this yesterday. Well, I am going to be writing, yeah. We. All of a sudden, it's like a we thing because I love it so much. Shannon will write it. I'm just going to, honestly, I'm just going to like make it sound good, which is important, but it's not the thing. Yeah, the so, song is the thing. But I'm going to do this for a mom to give to her seven-year-old Daughter. Yeah, there yeah. are so many different ways to express love for somebody with a song. Mm -hmm. If this is like pricking up your imagination, like your ears are standing up on end like the bunny that lives in our backyard when we come in through the gate, you know? <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? Is this something I need to know more about? Yeah. You know? Like that bunny, uh, you can send an email to Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Does, does the bunny have an email? I hope so. I hope so too. And I also, doubt it. Why hasn't it messaged Imagine me? if it had like a whole computer set up. It lives under our deck, Oh, right? man. Now I have this. It's like, what, it, what was that book when we were kids? Watership Down. We like the underground tunnels and yeah. stuff with the rabbits. Yeah. Well, now they've got computers and email. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Definitely. I like that. You can send me an email, Shannon yeah. at MisfitStars.com, and I'll send you the info about mm -hmm. the project options and the pricing. We are also, at the end of the first half of this podcast episode, going to spotlight. It's week number four of our personal song spotlights, mm -hmm. and I'm going to spotlight for you a song that I did for somebody last year. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a sweet song. It's really good. I will, it, It's a, a, a woman gave this to... Um, Gosh, were they? Was it her girlfriend at the time? Uh, they're, I guess, they're engaged yeah. now, technically. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll tell you more about the story at the end of this half. It's so a great stay story. Stay tuned. Great story. And you'll hear the song, which is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sweetheart, how are you feeling today? Oh, thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. I feel um, tired and energized. Yeah. Um, I feel happy. Good. Um. I feel, I feel motivated. Yep. Yeah, those are the feelings I have. 
Good. How about you? Okay, so uh, like you, I did less sleeping than I should have last night because part of the time I should have been sleeping, what I was actually doing was thinking about the show yeah. and all the different moves and things that need to happen and camera changes. And yeah, yeah. It's a lot to think about, especially at like, you know, five in the morning. I do that a lot. Great when I'm in time the middle. to think about it. You know, I do that a lot when I'm in the middle of creating something new. Yeah. Honestly, like when I'm like writing a new album, mm-hmm. my sleep is all enmeshed in that process. Yeah. Like. And I think, I think generally speaking, for me, it's a good thing. Yep, it can be disruptive, and I know it's, I know it's temporary because it's happening during this like intense creative thing. Yep. So if that were happening all the time, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be sustainable. I'd be get, just tired all the time. But, yeah. You know. Um, for me, it's, I know what you uh, mean, though. It's funny because like the way you, the way Shannon does it, everybody is that she like writes out what the entire show is going to be, like literally like types it out and works it over until she knows what the show is going to be, and then like once it's in her subconscious, she can kind of work on it in her sleep in the manner she just described. My process is different. My process <laughs> is just to start working on the project, and then to in that drifting in and out of sleep the way that you do if you've woken up after three hours of sleep and you're kind of like half awake thinking through something uh-huh. like and it starts to get really surreal and then I'll realize I'm still thinking about it and I'll be like oh did I just rehearse something really surreal in my head am I going to do something really <laughs> surreal tonight when we go down for rehearsal I don't know if it's helpful I don't know if it's harmful it's fine it's very exciting uh-huh. I feel excited like you a little bit tired but much more excited and stoked and yeah. very just interested to see how this turns out I think it's going to be real cool yeah me too yeah. do you have any other feelings because I have a, something else I want to say oh I feel happy uh, everything's everything's good go ahead so we got this wonderful message from one of our Misfit stars this week about mm-hmm. she, she was asking specifically hey so I've been listening to your episodes on recovery and sobriety and you mentioned how like identifying your feelings was one of the things that you learned how to do in your recovery from codependency this is Misfit Star Amanda M, right? Yes. Hi, and Amanda. She said, um, she said, uh, she asked, is your section, how are you feeling, derived from your recovery experience? And it totally is for me. Like when I first brought this idea up as being a segment in our podcast, it was rooted in this practice that we used to have, that I used to do when I was, you know, first going to meetings at this one meeting in Sacramento where we would just start the meeting by like identifying feelings. And it really was a great way to be, just to kind of like set the stage for the deeper conversation and sharing that was going to happen later. And so it's just a good check-in, you know? So like it absolutely is rooted in that for me um, that we do this here on the podcast. Yeah. But one other question thing is that she said that since since we've been doing this, it has uh, inspired her and her husband to start doing this with each other. And I love that. That's like they, so neat. I think on a daily basis, they they uh, in the mornings, they ask each other, how are you feeling? No. It's not in the mornings. In the mornings, they oh. ask each other, what or what do you want to get done today? What, what, what are your, your priorities? What the are day? your intentions and priorities for the day? So they don't like, because you know how when you're a couple, like... You're, you might just want to chill out and your partner wants to get a bunch of stuff done and you end up pissing each other off because you're working at cross purposes all day long. Right. You know, they have identified that as being a, just a thing that can happen in their relationship. And so they start their day with a, what do you want to accomplish today? Brilliant. What are your priorities? And like Shannon and I immediately stole that. We're not doing it every day because some days it's really obvious. Like some days, like we know what we're going to do all day long. It's a podcast and then we're going to work on the show and that's that. So we right. don't need to do that. We're all going to be doing the same stuff. It's great. But we but have used it a couple of days since we already. learned. Yeah. And, and they do, how are you feeling at the end of the day? Oh, okay, great. That's, I, I've forgotten the order of things. I love that checking in on what are your priorities. Very smart. Well, I think for me also, I realized that some days when it's less, when, I mean, we're self-employed. We make our own schedule. 
schedule. We make our own deadlines. We make our own everything. structure, everything. So like there are some days where it's a little bit less defined yeah. and we kind of have it, it's a more of a choose your own adventure. And I think where I, what I realized is the value of checking in on priorities is that I find myself on those more nebulous days kind of spending a lot of energy trying to guess at what your priorities are mm -hmm. so that I can do things that will support you and maybe not um, like assert my priorities as much in order to let you feel like you can be productive. Interesting. You know what I mean? Which is but so funny because I generally don't need very much support because well, I'm just in my studio doing my thing. But if I want if I want your help going out to do something and taking you away from your work, I don't want to disrupt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there there are ways in which our work intersects like that. But how stupid I realized that I spend my time trying to guess at that when we could just have a conversation. You could just ask, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so simple. It's so simple. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda, for that good. inspiration. So uh, anyway, that that's that's it. Oh, do you have do you have good news, Machine? Oh heck I yeah! Am, what do you have? My good news this uh, this week is personal. I'm just loving how this live concert is coming together. Oh, I had some doubts. I was just concerned, like you, feeling probably a little vulnerable about doing something totally new, totally out of the box. Yeah. As with everything that we do, I you know I just kind of imagine that like three people will watch, <laughs> and it's fine if they're the three people who need to see it, then honestly, that's kind of okay. Uh, I think that I've done a pretty good job over the last de decade of like letting go of the need to have a bunch of people pay attention to what I'm doing. Like, I don't care at this point. Like, it's nice when a bunch of people pay attention to something I've done, but also I just enjoy the work for its intrinsic That's merits. That's it. You yes. know? Uh, and I am loving how this is coming together. Yesterday was a very, very fun day. Yeah. We were up until like, you know, we were working until like one in the morning last night, people. Just to, like, you know, in the dark, in the dark, in the basement with all kinds of different lights, like colored <laughs> lights and angled lights and moving lights and all kinds of stuff, just like designing this multiple scene, like show situation. Yeah. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And to see it come together in the camera, yeah. Was real, real cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm glad that's your good news. How about you? Mine is totally personal too. Uh, it is my personal experience. The, the good news is that breaking fall is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like that's my breaking good news. Um, like just, I feel like we're having this protracted season this year. The trees have hung on to their leaves for a really long time, but there's all sorts of different colors happening. And we had to drive out for an errand a little bit ago. And I just, driving around town, I, I was describing to to Jamie how like, I when I see some of these colors, I feel like it's tugging in my at my chest. Like I can feel. But like in a good way, like not, like a, not like a heart attack. Yeah, it's like it's making me emotional like to see these colors. I don't know what it is. But it's just making me feel awesome. And that is my good news, is that just fall is rad and we're having a rad fall and yeah. yay. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Interestingly, my family, my parents uh, in Vermont, where I'm from, Vermont is the capital of foliage. Legendary. Legendarily, like foliage and little white pointy church steeples. Uh, you may have seen the calendars. <laughs> they have absolutely no foliage where they live right now. Oh, weird. It's really, really weird. It doesn't mean it's not around them. Like, my sister lives 20 minutes north and then there's some up there. Also, they're in a totally different weather system and, like, they got their cold snap that makes the foliage happen and, like, Burlington hasn't gotten it yet because um, they're on the south yeah, side of yeah, a ridge. Yeah. It's just this weird thing. Yeah. So we have foliage and Burlington, Vermont, right now it doesn't. Weird. In the place where my parents live. Very strange. So strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, quickly, what adventures did we get into over this last week? 
I mean, we, I've just been heads down working on this live yeah. concert. We um, did the anti-racist book and movie club meeting on Sunday. That was great. Yes. Oh my gosh. God. Those of you who were there, you know how awesome it was. Thank, thank you for bringing yourselves. We discussed the first half of Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, which man, I mean, I, I read it a year ago and so I'm rereading it now for this, this book club discussion. And I, I mean, there was so much meat in it again the second time, you know, and mm -hmm. our discussion was so awesome. I just love the fact that we have this group and I love the fact that there are other people in the Misfit Stars community who want to be doing this work. Like, it just feels so motivating and inspiring. What was your experience with the, the book club? Oh, so great. Uh, just really good, natural, free-flowing discussion. The, the, my experience with the book clubs, like, because we meet once a month and, like, we've been doing it for, like, about six months now. And it's every month more of a just natural, free-flowing conversation. Like, we, you, we had to lean really heavily on conversation prompts for the first few months. Uh -huh. And, like, you come prepared with conversation prompts still in case we need them, but, like, we generally don't need them because people are just taking oh, the conversation yeah. to the next place it needs to go. There's just so much to dive into, and I, I just appreciate the humility and the open-heartedness with which everybody brings themselves to the discussion. It's so great. It's so great. Um, can I just say there was there was one comment that one of our participants made that has stuck with me every day since. Oh, Sheila, and right? it was the yes, yeah, so it was yeah. Sheila, our misfit star, Sheila. Hi, and Sheila. She, she made this comment about, and it was about a specific you know circumstance, but it kind of like applies you know more broadly in terms of like whether or not you're going to decide as a person to engage in anti-racist in anti-racism or not. Like to speak you know? up in the moment when something's happening in real time. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and I think it applies more broad, broadly too beyond just a single moment, like sure, whether yeah. you engage or not. She made this comment that was something along the lines of uh, whatever your choice is to engage or not, it's going to cost you yeah. something. Yeah. If you engage, it may cost you, you know, like you may have to set aside, you know, your, your, personal needs or desires in that moment or, or your comfort. Or as she or phrased your, it so colorfully, you might get your ass beat. That's right, right? So you might, it might cost you something in the moment or, or in your life to engage in the work of anti-racism. Mm -hmm. If you decide not to engage, it's also going to cost you and it will cost you, um, it, could, it, it will cost you potentially the shame for not doing what you should be doing. Yep. For not doing the right thing. Yep. Or, uh, you know, just, a, 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 just kind of a, I don't know. I like I, I It's going to like the point is you're going to pay. You're going <laughs> to It'll we, cost you. Like you pay an hour pay later. We all have a price to pay mm -hmm. in this and yeah. you can you can choose you can choose your adventure on yeah. that. But it's but but that man. that debt will be collected. Yes. 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 I, that stayed with me. I keep thinking about it over and over and over again and I that was just like chills up my spine when she said that during the discussion. So yeah, good. Super hey, deep. if you I mean this is we're not in announcements anymore but we are continuing this book and movie club. Yeah. Um if you are a member of Misfit Stars and you want to join next month's discussion, we're going to be discussing the second half of Eva Max Kendi's book. Um and it, the I think it's November 14th is our next meeting. Um but you're you're free to join uh if you are a part of Misfit Stars, you are free to join that discussion. Um, even if you weren't here for the, the discussion for part one, that's totally fine that you come in. Um, you just have to have read the book <laughs> to be part of the discussion. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a meaningful you know, thing for you. And if you're not in Misfit Stars, but you think that being in a rad small group discussion about uh, anti-racism and like learning how to be a better human being is something that you want to do, work you want to do in your life, we would love to have you. Yes. Misfitstars.com slash join. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, is it time for Personal Song Spotlight? Oh my God. 
gosh, yes. You want to set it up? I'm so excited. Me okay, too. so uh, week four, personal song spotlight. This is a song uh, that I wrote last year. Um, I think it was around, I think it was in, during the holidays last year, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I wrote this for a woman who happens to be a dear friend. And it's always really fun when, I, when those two things coincide, that I'm doing a personal song for a person and that person also happens to be a friend. Like, that, it's what a special treat. the best. Um, but this woman um, was uh, wanting me to do a song uh, that she could give to her partner. Um, they had, I have to set up the story. So... These two people have known each other for a long time. They used to be a couple years and years and years ago when they were much younger. Um, And they, uh, they split up also a long time ago, but not before having sort of established a family together. Like they, they, um, they, even though, even after they split up, they, they considered their grandchildren to be their grandchildren together. You know what I mean? Like um, it was, they, they, they remained family even after their split up. Yeah. Um, and they, every, t- every time we saw one, we would see the other. Yeah, absolutely. Always at social events. Like they were always there with each other. Yeah, and for, you know, I, I in in interviewing um, uh, this woman for the song, I learned that, you know, some of the reasons that they broke up was that, you know, they, they were young. They Each of them had emotional stuff that they hadn't yet processed or worked through in their lives. And they, you know, kind of ran away from each other a little bit, you know, um, in sort of a way of avoiding the discomfort of working through some of their stuff. Um, So, you know, they they, they broke up, um, but they remained family and they remained close. Like they remained kind of like best friends, even Mm -hmm. though they weren't a couple anymore. And then last year, which was, man, such a year of like, a lot of people making lots of realizations about what's important to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when we go through a time of crisis like we, we like we have, it can be clarifying. And I think it was clarifying for these two. Um, and they verbalized to each other that they knew they wanted to be together again and that they wanted to spend the rest of their lives together. And like in, in her writing about her partner, um, the woman told me, like the, the quote that just just hooked me was, she's my person. Yeah. She's my person. Aw. And I'm like, I totally get that. Like, I get that. And she wants to spend the rest of her life with her person. That's it, you know? So, you know, she also described, like, that they had dreams of buying a house with some land so they could, like, plant things and raise goats and grow all together on rocking chairs on the porch, you know, like, the whole nine yards. That's what they had envisioned. Fast forward, like a Tarantino style here, fast forward several months, they actually did buy the land and they got things growing in the ground and they've got schemes on buying goats and it's wonderful yes. and I love it. Last um, time we saw them, there was a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> They're going all in. It's great. So, you know, when I sent this song to her, I told her like, I really wanted this song to honor this pivotal moment in their lives, this coming back together. But I wanted it also to reflect the rich history of their relationship the progress that they had each made in their individual lives to be able to get to the point where they can be partners again in a like a really solid and and good way for the rest of their lives. So good, you know. Um, and 
uh, I really, and, and I wanted it to be about like to encompass sort of like their hopes and their dreams for their future together too. And I think that it kind of ended up sort of reading a bit like a love letter, mm -hmm. the song does, mm -hmm. um, especially since I used a lot of the words and descriptions that this woman sent me like directly. Some of them are lifted exactly from her notes and put into the lyrics. Like I didn't, I didn't need to alter a lot of them. You know, I, I was able to just use her voice, mm -hmm. which was really special. So shall we play the song? Let's okay. play the song. This is Stay. Your dad. 
grab tight You hold on And stay Let's stay Let's stay sweet it just feels so romantic doesn't it can't you like imagine them slow dancing oh absolutely (laughs) yeah Uh, i think you just hit that one out of the park it again like the best of the personal songs like really all of them in my experience it stands on its own as a wonderful song that's just like a, a song i would listen to it's really nice like i don't even really like listen to like like chick piano music that much but I would listen to that like it's really good it's compelling you know what I mean great voice well recorded and mixed like I give it a solid A yeah. you know big fan <laughs> but then like if you're these people and you know all the little hidden message like they're hiding in plain sight all these things but they're they're little episodes and vignettes and moments from their personal situation so to them it's just so much more meaningful mm-hmm. it's really really cool people if you want this for your life if you want Shannon to do this for you send her an email Shannon at MisfitStars.com. She will walk you through this really cool little, like, almost like an interview process. She asks what the situation is, who who the song's going to be for, and then based on that, she comes up with just some questions to get you writing over email just about, you know, the person and your feelings about them. And then, as she did in this song, she plucks, you know, the themes, uh, sometimes literal, like, phrases that you said to use as lyrics, like she did here, uh, and you get back this amazing song that is your feelings about your person in a beautiful song that you can then give to them as a gift. It's just the best thing ever. So send Shannon an email and she'll tell you more about it. Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Awesome. It was so fun getting uh, the responses back when I sent this song off. Because we're personal friends, um, she has my my phone number. So she texted me and it was like this series of short texts. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was like, Oh, I'm God, Shannon. And then the next one, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to give it to her. And then like minutes later, you are amazing. And then another one, oh. I'm speechless. Oh. <laughs> and then one of them, she told me, this is going to be our wedding song, oh. which I'm so, that's just wonderful. That's happened what a, a sweet treat. That's happened a number of times with these songs. Oh, they good. have ended up in wedding ceremonies. Yeah. Like a lot of them, yeah. which is really, really special and great for us because inevitably we like sometime in the future get tagged on Facebook in someone's entire wedding album and like video thing and we get to celebrate it with them in that moment and be a little tiny part of it. And that's just so meaningful. Like to get to be a part of so many of your lives because of music mm. is a magical, magical situation that we've gotten ourselves into. Mm-hmm. It really is. Really into it. So uh, I think we should take a short break. Oh, and say oh, that, what, say what? That, Just say that again because I snorted. You say what again? Edit that out. I just start again. We'll take a short break and yeah. I won't snort. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I think we should take a short break. And when we come back, we did you snort again? No. no okay. I didn't. 
I was just laughing. That's really funny. So I think we should take a short break. And then when we come back, we should dive into part two of your celebration of all the good that has come into your life with recovery. Yay, let's do it. All right. See you soon. Oh, do you have back some sounds? In one sec. Sure. How about oh, this one? It. Oh. Very good. All right, cool. Back in a sec. <laughs> Should I, I do one? I mean, October is only one month of the year. We got to get them all in, you know? Okay, yeah, okay, ready? So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're back. Oh, that's so good. Oh, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. Very rewarding. So, the second part of the middle part of the good stuff that came from recovery. I that's love it. That's kind of what we're doing. Shannon, good stuff 2.2. Oh, I like it. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Um, yeah, you know, I as soon as I finished the origin story episode, um, we, we finished recording, and I immediately got open my got open my laptop and started typing all of the stuff I wanted to share about like what I learned once I got into recovery, and it was a very long list, yeah, and too long for one episode. So here we are in part two. If you are tuning into this episode and you have not heard uh, last week's episode. I would start there. Yeah. If you haven't heard the origin story episodes, I would start there too. I have an origin story episode. Jamie has an origin story episode. Um, and I would recommend that you start with those. You can first. just go to misfitstars.com slash listen and just scroll down. You'll see the origin story ones because we labeled them explicitly because it's important. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So when we last left our heroes, uh, last week, the, the last thing we talked about um, in last week's episode was this idea of boundaries. And mm-hmm. I, in, as soon as we were done recording, I was like, I feel like I could have done a better job explaining my thoughts about that. Like I, I didn't feel like it was very clear. And I specifically wanted to revisit this idea of the, the idea that I can, that I'm, I'm able to more genuinely engage with what another person is feeling or going through because of healthy boundaries in place. So mm-hmm. We were having this discussion, do you remember last yes. week about how like, well, you know, if, if, you have, if your boundaries are too extreme, then you can't really engage. And, I, and that's not it at all. It's like the opposite of that. Like the healthy boundaries are what allows me to authentically engage. And here's what I mean. Like without the boundaries in place, without the, like, the clear definition of that's your life and this is my life mm-hmm. and like that, that, that sort of, you know, yellow line down the middle of the street being mm-hmm. very prominent, mm-hmm. then any engagement I have, there, there's like an, outgo- an outcome-based motive involved for me. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, so like maybe the motive is like to try to fix the person or to try to fix a situation for them or fix their feelings for them, right. you know, which might sound very altruistic, but it's not my business how a person feels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it is, you know, or, or maybe the motive could be to control or change their feelings or their experience in some way, but none of this is my business, yeah. you know? And the problem with that is that like engaging with a person when I don't have my boundaries in place, it just opens that old door to all those old unhealthy patterns for me. And you can kind of get intertwined with someone yeah. else's life in an unhealthy way. Exactly, exactly. And so- I, I need for my engagement with other people 
to, to not be based on any kind of like trying to achieve an outcome. I need for it to just be just authentic and present and real. You know, I, because if I'm trying to achieve an outcome, in like achieve an outcome in their life, <laughs> then that's then that's manipulative by nature. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm exerting control in a place I I don't belong, and you know, like I described in my orange origin story, like when I engage in that kind of behavior with another person, it's just bad for me. It's that's what takes me down the spiral into mm-hmm. all the bad things. You know about codependency, but when those healthy boundaries are in place, and I'm not motivated by anything by other than just being there and holding space for a person, Mm -hmm. that's when I can like really bring myself to a place of being like fully and totally authentically engaged with them. And I can fully show compassion for them and I can walk alongside them if they want me to. But those boundaries are kind of like the guardrails. Yeah. It means like you don't have an agenda. Yes. It means like you're not trying to control the situation. You're not really interacting with the situation in any unhealthy way. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, remember when you and I went up to the Cascade Loop a couple weeks ago? I do. Last month. Beautiful, yeah. And you guys, the the Cascade Mountains are just amazing. And like, there was this one overlook that that we stopped at and we got out of the car and you can take this little trail and this little trail takes you out onto this promontory and you are, you are, at the end of this promontory, just standing like at the edge of the earth, like you're at the edge of this rock, like a granite cliff mm-hmm. overlooking this massive valley and these other mountains on the other side of the valley. It's just breathtaking. Like, like, but there are these huge steel guardrails yeah. <laughs> that are like drilled into the rock and you're not going anywhere because those guardrails are there. Yeah. But the guardrails are what allowed us to get all the way up to the edge and experience all of that beauty. Yes. You know what I mean? The boundaries are the same way. They, they, are, those, they are the guardrails that, keep, that, that allow me to go all the way as far as I can go in a good and healthy and safe way for me and everybody oh, I else. Love it. You know what I mean? What a nice Thank uh, you. simile. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that I got to circle back to that because I just felt like I just hadn't quite put my finger on what I wanted to say about that. But this segues really nicely into the next point that I wanted to make, and that is the, the way in which my recovery has uh, affected my relationship with others. Mm. Um, and, and, and the top part of this list is really kind of related to the boundary question. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of, um, of being of service to others versus people-pleasing. Mm. So like in pe- people-pleasing is like a hallmark of codependency, right? Yeah. Those two things sound similar-ish, but they are very different. Yeah. And I learned that in my recovery. I learned that being of service from a place of sobriety, like good boundaries, no manipulative behavior, no motives, no ulterior motives, you know, being of service is an activity that actually brings me joy. Yes. And it is very different than people-pleasing behavior, which relies on the non-existence of boundaries and which is motivated by control and manipulation and which, like the outcome of that for me, at best, it gets me the acceptance, approval, or praise I think I need in the moment. Temporarily, fleetingly. Exactly. 
but while keeping me in my own cycle of shame and abuse. And it's also not based on anything real because you're like play acting to make it happen. Exactly. So you like, you can't even really feel that good and about it because like, even if you are getting the positive feedback, it's based kind of on a lie. Totally. And that's the best possible outcome. And they get worse pleasing. from there. <laughs> well, the, the worst, the worst, the other side of that is that, that I could, it might leave me feeling rejected. And massively resentful that my whole gambit didn't work. It didn't get me what I needed, you know? And so, like, being of service from a place, from a healthy place versus people pleasing, wow, what a, they're just two different worlds entirely. Um, and related to that is that I learned that I can survive mm-hmm. people disapproving of me, yeah, rejecting me, criticizing me. Like, I can survive that. That is not existential. Indeed. I have come to learn later in my life that sometimes if a certain type of person disapproves of me, that's actually good. Yeah. Like, it's good to have the right people not pleased with you. Right. And that's actually next on my list. Oh, what is it? I I learned that to, to like, save and keep my own life on Mm -hmm. my own terms, I was probably going to necessarily have to disappoint some people. Yeah. That was probably going to be part of the game or part of the part of, you know, the reality of this new life. But, you know, people's reactions to me, their feelings about me don't define me. I define me. Yes. This is what I learned. And so I can I can because of that, I can survive people's disappointment. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is you can't please every person all of the time. Like that's an impossible thing to try to even do, yeah. you know? Um, so- Although ironically, and this is a small detour, but it really makes me think about yeah. like what we're taught as young artists, oh, you know? Man. Like when you're first in a band or first like being a mm. solo singer songwriter and you're thinking about making a recording or doing a show or, you know, how to build up who you are, the instinct, the impulse, and what we kind of get taught is try to be as palatable as possible to as mm-hmm. many people as possible. Try to please everyone. Right. Oh, you know? yeah. Because so, that's how you get an audience, right? Me being a young artist plus being a codependent. Woo! That was some magic. Yeah. The magic company there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so, and you know, I think it would be interesting and, and I'm just speaking out loud. I'm pro I'm show programming here live on this podcast. I like that. It would be really interesting. I think in, in a part three to explore the ways in which recovery impacts our lives now, mm-hmm. like to really dive into sort of how I would like to d- dive into a little bit more of how my recovery impacts my work as an artist, Great. as a creator. Cause that I think that there's good. a lot of overlap there mm-hmm. for some of the reasons you were just saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to the, to how recovery has impacted my relationship with others, um, I have learned also that, um, well, and I learned this early on, and especially because when I was really like first in recovery and so excited about all this stuff I was learning and all the changes I wanted to make to my life, and I was just like eager beaver, you know, mm-hmm. um, I I learned that when I started refusing to live in those old unhealthy patterns. Um, Let me guess. Like when instead I I kept boundaries or when I freed myself from other people's expectations. Did it really piss some people off? Oh, yeah. Is that where you're going with this? That's totally where I'm going with this. (laughs) That, you know, some people with whom I'd been closely entangled uh, would receive my sobriety as like a direct threat to themselves Mm -hmm. because, and some of them would pull out like all the stops to try to get me to keep doing life the way I used to because the way I used to do it had been working for them and the way I was doing it now was not working for them anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, 
And I, I, at the time, I, I sort of like envisioned it as being like, you know, they, they talk about how you can get enmeshed with people, you know, in mm-hmm. un- unhealthy relationships or in unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the word enmeshed, I was in, I envisioned like a, like woven fabric, mm-hmm. you know, where you've got all these pieces intertwined, like, and it is a strong piece of material with all those threads yeah. you know, intertwined with each other. That's kind of like how I was imagining those old and meshed unhealthy relationships in my life to be. And that really what I was doing in it, like the only way to, to break that up was to just rip right through it, like cut a piece and tear, yeah. you know, and that is actually very painful for all parties involved, yeah. you know, when you are ripping something like that, um, like, and, and I, and it's very real pain and I get that, you know, I know that, um, I know that me changing my way is really caused some people some pain in my life mm-hmm. for better or worse. You know, um, it, the ways in which I did things wrong, I had to make amends for, mm-hmm. you know, and like the ways that I, you know, didn't do that as well as I could have, you know, um, but some of those were relationships that just that the that person relied on me being unhealthy me. Yeah. And yes, they experienced pain when I separated myself from that. But that was a necessary pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I mean, I had that experience too when I, you know, got sober like Mm. my friend my friend group didn't entirely change i definitely still to this mm-hmm. day have some really dear friends who were friends of mine from before mm-hmm. but they're all the people pretty much without like an exception uh with whom my relationship was predicated not primarily on my unhealthy behaviors. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I have some people that I used to do like art stuff with or pranks or stuff yeah, like that, yeah. community stuff, you know. And yeah, we did a lot of heavy abusive drinking together and we all, you know, kind of a lot, pretty much everyone kind of mellowed out on their own. It took me, you know, a more dramatic intervention, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we've all remained friends, that entire friend group. But I had a whole other friend group and it was really, I mean, I thought they were, close, close friends. They would mm. spend every holiday over at our house. But, you know, in retrospect, it's just because we had cocaine. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, it's really easy to get 25 people over to your house for Thanksgiving <laughs> if you have drugs. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's, you know, it, it, that's a very um, explicit, uh, like, easy to, easy to recognize sort of like thing you're talking about there mm-hmm. when there's drugs involved, it gets a little trickier when you're just talking about like how you're relating to each other, sure. you know, like, and, and Shannon and, always makes me feel so good about myself. Exactly. I was the cocaine, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, like, but I think that one of the things I realized that in that sort of like tearing of that fabric, um, in those relationships that in some cases that that my refusal to continue being enmeshed mm-hmm. with them in unhealthy ways exposed them, uh, exposed to themselves their own flaws and faults mm-hmm. and pain. You know, like yeah. I think it, it it's kind of, it, it can be a moment of reckoning or it can be a moment of like, oh, that's some stuff I don't want to look at and yeah. put the blinders up, you know, and, yeah. and move on. But I think that, you know, one person in a relationship getting healthy exposes the other person's loose ends. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, But I also learned that, you know, if those relationships were going to continue, that they were going to have to be completely redefined. Yeah, right. Um, And and often, in some cases, to let them all but die, (laughs) you know, so that they could be rebuilt on healthier terms. And um, 
some of those, and I, and, I, and I had to accept the fact that some of those relationships wouldn't survive that transformation. Like they just wouldn't survive, you yeah. know, and I would have to leave them behind and let them go entirely. But that, you know, if there was going to be a relationship with these people in the future, it was going to have to be like a whole new relationship, you yeah. know, based on new terms. And, you know, I, I also learned that like the relationships that I have with people in my life that not only respect my boundaries and and celebrate the agency I have, but also have established their own boundaries and they have their own sense of agency in their own lives. Like those are the relationships that really light me up. Yeah. Like those are the relationships that like I feel most connected and encouraged and alive. And like those, those are like the deepest relationships I have. Like when you're approaching one another as healthy equals. Yes. That's cool. Yes. And this is related to that and it's related to you. And then like, after about a year of recovery, um, and, and doing this work and realizing what I valued in relationships, that's when I, I thought to myself, gosh, I was, I was, a, I was about a year, in, a year into recovery and also a year into being single for the first time as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I really knew that if I was ever going to be, if I was going to ever have like a romantic relationship with someone again, mm-hmm. that I really, really wanted it to be with someone who also had recovery in their life. Like mm-hmm. I really wanted someone to have the same understanding. So that's, you know, when... We talk about our origin story as a couple, mm-hmm. you know, the night we met. Yeah. And I walked up to you at the soundboard at that concert in Minnesota. And I'm like, hi, I'm Shannon. And you're like, hi, I'm Jamie. And within like, I think it was the first 30 seconds of mm-hmm. our conversation, you said, I'm recently single and two years sober in AA. And I was like, holy you know what? You can like, say shit on the I podcast. can't. I just I don't know why I stopped. But I was like, I am recently single and a year uh, in recovery also. And like I had, you know, if an earlier version of my, myself would have said, like I had prayed for someone like this, you know, I hadn't, I had hoped. Mm. I had set an intention that that's this kind of, the kind of person that I wanted in my life. So hearing you say that was like, wow, really? <laughs> and you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, charging ahead, I you know there was a, a section I sort of like labeled peace, um, and just a general peace that I that I have in my life now that I didn't have before. Um, and I mean it's not like it's constant, but I, I have access to this mm-hmm. this kind of thing in my life now. Um, and one of those things, one of the elements of that is with regard to the idea of personal integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, like I learned that I can have my outside life match my inside life. Like that's what I, that's how I define personal integrity. Mm. It is like an, an integration mm-hmm. of what I, of how I'm living in the presence of others and in the world and how I'm living on the inside of myself. Because like, if you flash back to my origin story, there was a whole lot of keeping up facades, mm-hmm. portraying one image to the world and feeling and thinking and being differently in, on the inside, mm-hmm. you know, so much of a split experience, yeah. you know? And, and so the, I, when I feel like, I, like my outside life matches my inside life with, with integrity, um, I feel like that gives me a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel free and I feel, I feel at peace, I feel in harmony. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you had that kind of an experience also? Oh, absolutely. And I had the exact same thing, you know, and especially like when you're an alcoholic, it can be really like, 
kind of, I don't want to say more dramatic, but like you, like you said, like the lines are much blurrier when you're a codependent because there's no over exterior behavior that you're doing. Like I was drunk or high. Right, yeah. That's really obvious. Like you are altered as a person and everyone can tell or smell it on you or right, whatever, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, it makes it, you know, from my perspective, what it did is it forced me into situations where I didn't feel comfortable engaging socially with people. Um, so I had to like constantly do this dance of like flaking out oh. on social commitments with people who weren't drug addicts. So I could a just, you know, keep being high or drunk because right, that's right. what I was doing. But also like, I didn't want them to think less of me. I didn't want them to like judge mm-hmm. me. I didn't also, I didn't want them to, to like try to intervene. Mm-hmm. I didn't want someone to like get worried about me and try to stop me. That would have been really annoying, you know? <laughs> and so I really had this very kind of double life where I was presenting outwardly to one set of people living my life in a certain way that I absolutely wasn't. Right, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and then... And it takes a lot of energy to maintain that double life. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's It's not a peaceful existence at no. all. It's a... It's a fractured existence. Oh, remembering what lies you told whom is exhausting. Oh my God, totally. Very stressful. The other thing that was exhausting and that I learned uh, that I no longer have to do in which I have so much more peace in my life because of it, um, I, and I call this uh, this idea plate spinning, and so I have to explain, hmm. do, you, do you know what plate spinning is? I think we all do. So, I mean, I didn't know what it was until I was a, like in college, I was a counselor for a day camp and we would go to um, Six Flags Marine World in Vallejo, California with our day campers. Yeah. And they had like these little shows that they, you know, at, at amusement parks, they put all these little shows, right? Yeah. And there was this one guy who did plate spinning and I had never seen it before, but I... I was enthralled with the plate spinner. And yeah. so the deal is that he had like these, this very long table or set of tables set up. Like, I mean, I don't know how long, like 30 feet of tables or 40 feet of tables, you know, across this big stage. And um, he had these, these China plates that were, that were sort of like, you know, one after the other stacked down the table, not stacked, but like lined up on the table. Mm-hmm. And he would, pick one up and put it on its end and spin it. And it mm-hmm. would start spinning. And he would pick the next one up and start spinning and spinning and spinning. And then he had this little wand that he could like maintain the spin so it yeah. wouldn't crash. Yep. But he'd be doing like 25, 30 plates that were spinning all at one time. And he had to like run back and forth and like stir each one up to make sure that none of them crashed. Whoa. You know what I mean? But it was so taken with this at the time. I was like, how does he even do that? But I felt like that's what I was doing in my life. I was plate spinning because I had to, in my in my codependency, I had to, I felt the needs that I had to keep everyone happy with me all of the time. And so, and and, and keep manipulating situations in order, in order to keep events in my life going the way I thought I needed them to go. You yeah. know, like, uh, and I needed to continue to look good to others and get their approval and all that. Exhausting. Like I couldn't, ever let a single one of those plates drop and shatter. Like right. it would been, it would have felt existential to me. Like, like my it would life give would up have... the whole game. Exactly. Yeah. So I was doing this metaphorical plate spinning and, and I didn't have to do that anymore. Once mm-hmm. the integration happened, once the outside life matched the inside life and I could just find my acceptance in others, in myself, you know, just based on who I am. I didn't have to do that anymore. I think like, when people talk about their life getting simpler in sobriety, this is precisely what they're talking holy about. Holy cow, you know? yes. Like I'd heard people talk about that. And it's interesting because I, when I sort of heard that before I got sober, I was like, I don't want a simple life. I want my life to be exciting. But it doesn't mean your life is going to be stupid or boring or 
devoid of interest or activities. It just means that it won't be turbulent. Like you won't have inner oh. turmoil. That's what the simplicity is oh. that they're referring to. You can still have a very rich and vibrant and exciting life. Spoiler alert, you can actually have much more of one right. because you have more energy and focus exactly. and you're not constantly undermining yourself and taking all your time worrying about spinning plates. If you're, Yeah, if all your energy is, is spinning plates, you're never going to go see the killer whale exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is which is immoral. But that's well, you're right, neither here nor there. You're absolutely right. But that's my point is that like once once I was no longer spending all of my energy trying to keep all the plates spinning, I actually had time and energy and space in my life to pursue other stuff that yeah. I that on my terms that I wanted to exp- like yes. Yeah. Life is so much simpler and more exciting. Mm-hmm. And this leads me into sort of like the last section of um of sort of the umbrella that I put over this was just how my recovery changed my relationship with myself. Um, and, you know, starting off right off the bat, I, I, I learned that I am enough. Yeah. That I am worthy of love and belonging just as I am without any qualifications or justifications or performance to earn that love and belonging. I just am mm-hmm. worthy. That seems so simple, and I understand that maybe this is like kindergarten level for some people, but for me it was revolutionary to learn that I was just enough all on my own. Yeah. Um, second big thing was that I learned to identify what my values are for my life and that I get to decide what I want my life to mean. Yeah, like you get to choose. I get to choose. And, you know, I, I talked a lot about in my origin story how, like, I performed the role of good girl because that's what I thought. That's like the I, puzzle piece that fit in your family's situation. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I thought I needed to be to, you know, to fit. To make everything work. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Um, but it's interesting because when I evaluate what I want my values to be, like, I still value being good. <laughs> It's you know, so true, people. I know, but... <laughs> Did you hear her censor herself when she tried to say shit recently? Exactly. Yeah. But, so, but the difference is that now I'm the one who decides what's good. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't give my power away to others. I, I don't allow others to determine what is good for me. Yeah. Like, the power is mine. Yeah. And, like, so I, I get to decide what actions and words and what approach to my life and uh, 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 like whatever aligns with my values. Like, I get to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty neat to, to learn that. So here's another twist though. I learned that like those values might change mm-hmm. as I learn and grow as a person or, or they might be refined. Those values might be refined and that's okay. And I learned that it's okay for me to change. This is a huge thing for me in my, especially in my early recovery and it still is now, but like I used to think that I had an obligation to remain the same predictable version of myself mm. Um, and this was, it was all part of my effort to remain acceptable to other people. Mm-hmm. Like they need to know what they can expect from me. And therefore like, that's what they need from me. They need stability. And so I just, I can never change, which meant like what, not change my hair or my religion or my political party or mm-hmm. my, my opinions on things or or what I listened to or, you know what I mean? Like, sure. like I, like, like, like whatever it was I had chosen to do to be acceptable at this point in time, that's what I was going to have to be forever because that's what they would expect from me. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, what prison 
that is. Also, like, what a weird idea that you have arrived at the final form of who you will be at age 23. No, but I didn't, I had no concept of understanding that like, that I, I had the right to do, do something differently. Like I felt like I, I had to keep playing the part that made everything work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but so those, so my, so my, I've learned that my values can change. I can change. Like, and that's, and that's okay. And that's good. You know, like I, I'm, no one's, no one's, maybe someone is keeping a score, but it doesn't matter what score they're keeping. Cause it's only my score that matters, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and like, really like living in harmony with my values is another big one. Like when I live in harmony with my values, that's when I have the ability to live with joy and authenticity and a sense of freedom. Like everything I do, I mean, I know that you probably get annoyed with me <laughs> sometimes when like, every, like I analyze every little thing in terms of like, does this feel true to me? Is this true? Mm-hmm. Does, <laughs> like, but it's really important to me because like when I don't, when I, when I make decisions that aren't in line with my values, it feels like, like there's a, a, a rip in the time space continuum. Like things are wrong in the universe, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I can show up authentically and was, and I can experience joy in my life when I'm living and making decisions that are in accordance with what I value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, but in doing that, that's how I avoid shame like when I don't live according to, according to my values, I start experiencing shame. Yeah, and that's how I get sucked back into the old ways, and I don't want that. Um, so really, like I feel like li- like living according to my values—that's one of the number one ways in which I stay sober. Yeah, that's how I stay sober. That's that's like one of the the most important daily items. It's like emotional for sobriety for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, um, and here's the, the, this last bit. Um, is that I learned that even when I slip up, mm-hmm. even when I when I when I do something that's acting um, outside of my values or I'm not aligned with my values, mm-hmm. so when I slip up like that, um, or even when I get sucked back into my old ways, like that can happen. It yeah. happens. Um, I learned that I, I I can correct that and I can get myself back on course, and there's no shame in that because I am still. Even after screwing up, I'm still worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. Even when I screw up, and I can make that correction and get back on track with my tools. Like, it's okay. It's okay to mess up. Yeah. Uh, it used to not be okay for me to mess up. I, like, I, I didn't feel okay about it. Um, but I don't have. That doesn't have to be a shameful experience anymore. You know, Man. I can make that correction. The more quickly I make it. The, better, the faster I can put it behind me and, and move on, you know? I, I don't have to let it linger. I don't have to let it build up. I don't have to let that, that shame tumor grow in size mm-hmm. <laughs> inside me like we talked about last week, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and what a wonderful freeing thing. Like my relationship with myself is so, so different than what it was um, all those years ago. And, and, I'm, and I feel like I have the tools now to continue exploring the possibilities of my relationship with myself. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm growing all the time. I want to continue to grow in that area. But you, you know? can do it in a healthy and sustainable way in which every piece and every little bit of progress is built in a healthy way, in a very in a strong foundation yeah. kind of way on what came before. Yeah. So everything's connected and everything is part of the same strong 
whole. Mm -hmm. Nothing is disconnected. Nothing feels weird. Mm -hmm. Nothing is working across purposes mm -hmm. in your life. Everything is working together in the same direction as part of a unified whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I feel so lucky mm -hmm. that I got to that I got to experience, you know, that first meeting <laughs> that led me to the second meeting that led me to working the steps that led me to a life lived in recovery. Like I I feel so lucky that I had that opportunity to bring this into my life. I have more written here about my tools, but I think that that might be good saved for a part three. Yep. Um, because I think that that will be a conversation in and of itself. Yeah, I think uh, so. So um, we'll save the tools for for a part a part three next week. I guess we will dive into your middle part of recovery. Then, yeah. Right? How exciting! How exciting! I can't wait. Um, and uh, and again, listeners, thank you for letting me share this here. Thank mm -hmm. you for listening. I hope that this has been uh, the reason we share is that we hope that our experience is is valuable to you in some way. Um, and if you have thoughts about any of this stuff, like, oh man, I really relate to X, Y, or Z, or questions like, okay, I hear you saying this, but I don't quite understand. What about this? You know, we'd love to hear your yes. thoughts, your questions. Mm -hmm. um, we can address them on the podcast uh, anonymously if you'd like to, because I bet there are other people who have the same questions that you have. That's a good point. Um, you know, we can eventually have a, a sort of a question and responses episode if we need to. That's a neat idea. So people, if you have questions, you can email them to either of us, jamie at misfitstars.com or shannon at misfitstars.com. And it can be a question that you want us to address on the podcast, or it could also just be, and I mean specifically like related to this discussion around sobriety yes. and recovery. Yeah. Uh, it could also, if you... It could also be just you wanting someone to reach out to and talk to in more of a personal and private way. Yeah, yeah. And if that's the case, uh, you can reach out to either Shannon or to me, whomever you feel more comfortable talking with about whatever it is that you need to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's fine too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I am Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Yes. Jamie is Jamie at MisfitStars.com. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I think that's it for this week. I think so. So uh, please, people, uh, come join us on Saturday for our live concert. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's in the Misfit Stars social network if you are in there. If you would like to become a member of the Misfit Stars social network and first of all, just like hang out with all the amazing people in there. Oh the conversations gosh. we have in there and the interactions on an ongoing basis are just so healthy and supportive and good. You know, it's just the nicest space. I always mm -hmm. feel really, really good when I'm spending time in there. And we would love to have you in there. You can self-select yourself into yeah. that kind of environment. It's really cool. So uh, to do that, misfitstars.com slash join. You'll be helping uh, support our work by doing that too. And that's, you know, doing well by doing good. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. All right. We'll be back next week with some more of Jamie's juicy stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, until then, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. See you soon. See ya.